You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. The movie is Happiest Season, which came out in 2020 and was directed by Clea Duvall. I cannot believe I've got all my daughters under one roof. So her parents believe their straight daughter brought home her lesbian friend for Christmas? Not exactly. They also think that I'm straight. Have they ever met a lesbian? This is why I avoid Christmas. It brings out the worst in everything. Just be yourself. But don't lie. You're a very bad liar. Riley! Harper. This is Abby. Abby is my orphan roommate. We, I am an orphan, but we live together as friends, um, like acquaintances. Oh, please stop. Yeah. I can relate to being in love with somebody that is too afraid to show the world who they are. What are you doing in the closet? I'm here to rescue you. Are you the ex-boyfriend? Yes, I am very sexually attracted to her. Mm. A female. I nailed that, and she is fabulous. It stars Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Mary Steenburgen, Victor Garber, Mary Holland, Dan Levy, Audrey Plaza, Alison Brie, Burl Mosley, and Anna Gesteyer. The genre would be holiday romantic comedy slash drama. You just know it's that special time of year when you can gather with family you haven't seen in a while and at least temporarily pretend to enjoy their company smiling through your teeth while straining to mask yourself from pain they have caused you in previous years or just desperately biting your tongue from telling them something that you know would really piss them off. That's what the holidays are for, right? (laughs) Well, if there is at least one thing that this sly, quote, lesbian Christmas version of Meet the Parents rom-com nails, it's that. And by the way, I'm quoting other reviews that called it that. It nails other stuff too, and really works for the most part. If nothing else, it also shows a lane for Kristen Stewart as an actress that I didn't realize she had. Warmth. And it's always been more about the roles that she's been given, or just the way her characters have been written. Even in a sorta coming-of-age rom-com like Adventureland from so many years ago, or playing Snow White of all people, Kristen Stewart has always been presented from a distance. There was just a coldness there. Now, Stewart's certainly not the first attractive, talented actress that Hollywood really didn't know what to do with, so they just kept pushing her into the chilly direction. Nor will she be the last. We've seen this with Jessica Chastain, Angelina Jolie, Viola Davis, Rosamund Pike, and fortunately, that's just not the case here with her role as our protagonist, Abby. And Abby's job? Yep, let's start rolling out the rom-com tropes with quirky jobs. She's a professional feeder of pets. (laughs) Sure, that works. She's in a relationship with Harper, played by Mackenzie Davis, and they're in love. One magical night enjoying the Christmas lights, walking around Pittsburgh. No joke, it's a city that actually does not get enough play in movies like this. Has some gorgeous scenery. And on a romantic impulse, Harper invites her to come back to meet her family for Christmas for the first time. Now, Abby is trepidatious, as she is not really into Christmas, for personal reasons. But she's excited that Harper has invited her. And then, trope alert... She decides that she's going to propose to Harper on Christmas, and she buys an engagement ring. And she does this against the firm advice of her, uh uh-oh, trope alert again, her wise-talking gay male best friend, John, played wittily by Dan Levy, who's gratefully very funny in this movie. 
Abby, you and Harper have a perfect relationship. Why do you want to ruin that by engaging in one of the most archaic institutions in the history of the human race? Because I want to marry her. Okay, you say that, but what you're actually doing is tricking the woman you claim to love by trapping her in a box of heteronormativity and trying to make her your property. She is not a rice cooker or a cake plate. She's a human being. It's not about owning her. It's about building a life with her. She is my person, and I really want everyone to know that. I suppose that's one way of looking at it. And then on the way to Harper's family home, trope alert again, she drops a bomb on Abby. Harper still hasn't come out to her family which she lied to Abby about, and they don't know anything about Abby. And because Harper's father, played by Victor Garber, is about to run for mayor in his town and is very worried about appearances, Harper asks Abby if she can just pretend that they're, quote, roommates for the whole duration of their visit. And hilarity ensues. Now, why did you invite me? Because we were just having such a special night and... and fine, I got carried away, but it's because I love you and and I want to give you such a great Christmas. We're off to a really great start. I'm so sorry. So who do they think I am? My roommate. They don't think it's weird that you're bringing your roommate home for Christmas? No, because I told them that you had nowhere else to go because your parents are, are no longer with us. I'm not going. Look, this is actually a really good opportunity for them to see how amazing and kind and smart you are. Well, Happiest Season, it does maintain a relatively light tone throughout, and there are plenty of wacky hijinks. But to the credit of writer-director Clea Duvall and co-writer Mary Holland, who also actually co-stars as Jane, Harper's quirky fantasy-writing younger sister, the gravity of what Harper is asking of Abby is treated with the necessary level of seriousness. Now, to add to this... Mackenzie Davis brings the right mix of selfishness and sympathy to the challenging character of Harper. You realize from the first moments when they get to her family that her parents, her mother's also played by Mary Steenburgen, by the way, very judgmental mother, they have done quite the number on Harper and her two sisters, including her sister who she has a pretty nasty rivalry with. This family is just pretty messed up, to say the least, with two overbearing parents who constantly make their daughters jump through hoops to earn their approval. There's constant sniping and racing via ice skates among the sisters, and it's to the film's credit that this family dynamic never really overtakes the story. (sighs) Are you tired? Not me, I like the morning. But then I have something meaningful to get out of bed for, so... Thank you, Mommy. Snowman pancakes. God, that's a lot of work for something that's just going to turn to shit. Oh, but that's kind of like your law degree. It must be freeing to be so self-involved you don't realize that's actually not appropriate language to use in front of children. We got everything out of the van. Thank you, honey. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is... Abby! I'm Eric. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. Uh, teaspoon of coconut oil? Add some nice moisture to those hands. It's still Abby's story, and at the very least she has allies during this ordeal. Her gay best friend John comes to try to rescue her, and to comic effect, as he of course pretends to be straight with Harper's family. Uh, um, sorry? Waits. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. What do you bench? A thousand? Thousand, thousand plus. And she also strikes up a friendship with Riley, who's played by Aubrey Plaza. 
Riley empathizes with her since Riley's not only a friend to Harper's family, but also a former closeted at the time girlfriend of Harper's. Aubrey Plaza is pretty great in this too, and she's so appealing as someone who is providing some much needed empathy to Abby that no one could be faulted for wanting them to get together. They have good chemistry. Their performances are strong across the board, and this film is paced well enough to breeze through the necessary tropes while also building up some genuine pathos for Abby as things start to escalate into the third act. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, we're going to be discussing the ending now. And of course, this all wraps up, like, like this is a shock, really, it's not really a spoiler, but this all wraps up with an extended happy ending, which feels earned for the most part, for most of our characters, especially Abby and Harper, but still feels a bit too tidy overall. Now, some characters are just kind of let off the hook for pretty reprehensible behavior, but hey, it's Christmas. Now, granted, ending these kinds of movies is always tricky, and I get the inclination to make it happy all around, as is the common rom-com trope. I just think you could look to another recent rom-com. I'm thinking Crazy Rich Asians as a better way to do it. The ending of that movie, it's very triumphant for the two main leads, but with regards to Michelle Yeoh's super judgy mother-in-law, who's not dissimilar to Harper's parents in this movie, the outcome of her character's arc and her relationship to both her son and his bride-to-be it's left sufficiently ambiguous. You get the sense that not everything has been resolved, but at least some steps have been made in the right direction. Now, of course, that's a different movie. I realize that. Overall, though, I really liked this and would certainly recommend it above any number of even more obnoxiously cliched Hallmark holiday rom-coms that you might have to, or maybe want to, not judging, to endure. There's real heart and humor there, with a revelatory performance by Kristen Stewart at its center. And that brings me to the categories. The first category is Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Now, in a soundtrack filled with holiday cheer, my personal favorite was Make You Mine This Season by the Canadian indie pop duo Tegan and Sarah. Tegan and Sarah Quinn are actually identical twin sisters who started performing together in the late 90s and whom both play multiple instruments besides also providing vocals for all of their songs. Apparently, they've had their share of minor radio hits, which I, which I had heard, but this was my official introduction to them. They have a nice breezy new wave sound, which sort of reminds me of the female-led pseudo-grunge band Luscious Jackson from the 90s, but less raw and with faster beats. And this time around, they have crafted a lovely, peppy power-pop jingle, which plays mostly as an acoustic version during the last scene of this movie. As we watch Harper and Abby sit back in a movie theater on Christmas night with Harper's family, embracing each other as we fade to black. It's a genuinely sweet way to end the movie, though I'm not going to lie, I still prefer the full version of this song with the dance beat behind it, which is actually featured prominently in the trailer. So really, you can't go wrong either way. It's just a lovely song.
That brings me to the next category, which would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, with such a large cast at its center for a rom-com that runs only about 102 minutes, it was probably unavoidable for it to feel like at least one cast member got short shrift. In this case, that would be Aubrey Plaza. Like I said previously, her Riley has some nice scenes with Stewart's Abbey, and I know that I am not the first person seeing this movie who actually thought that Riley might be a better fit for Abby than Harper. But beyond that, I just would have liked a bit more Aubrey Plaza in this movie. Her character pretty much just exists as a sounding board for our put-upon lead, appearing at just the right moments when words of wisdom or just an empathetic look from her is needed. Honestly, this is really nothing new for a rom-com. There are always those side characters who appear to only exist for the benefit of our protagonist. But why not give Plaza just maybe one scene with her family? maybe on the way and or leaving one of several functions that she attends for Harper's family, just for some actual context as to how Riley handles this whole awkward situation. It's a minor criticism, I know. You know, I'm I'm glad I ran into you because I'm having this thing where if I stick my finger in my eye, it like really hurts. Yeah, I mean, that's a classic case of um, contact stupiditis um, because it's a stupid thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> Once you get to the finger poking stage, you're, you're pretty much dead. I'd really like to drink some alcohol. Do you know where I can do that? Yes. And that brings me to the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Now, this movie certainly gets emotional at times. And surprisingly, the most affecting moment might actually be a monologue delivered late in the movie by Dan Levy's John to Stewart's Abbey. And what he's talking about is just how painful the whole act and aftermath of coming out can be. Now, even though Levy has been reliable comic relief up until this point, he really brings it for this scene. It's a plea for empathy on his part, and it's very effective. Remind me, what did your parents say when you told them you were gay? Um, that they loved and supported me. That's amazing. My dad kicked me out of the house and didn't talk to me for 13 years after I told him. Everybody's story is different. There's your version and my version and everything in between. But the one thing that all of those stories have in common is that moment. Right before you say those words, when your heart is racing, and you don't know what's coming next. That moment's really terrifying. And then once you say those words, you can't unsay them. A chapter has ended and a new one's begun and you have to be ready for that. Can't do it for anyone else. Just because Harper isn't ready, it doesn't mean she never will be. The final category is MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Like I said, Kristen Stewart brings a lot of warmth to this character. She treads a delicate line of handling the comical misadventures that she's put through, which include being mistakenly detained by mall cops for stealing jewelry from a store, having to sit in a low kitty chair at the first dinner with the rest of the family, other stuff like that, while also conveying how much hurt she is feeling from this charade. Stewart does this with such subtlety that the very moment she acts on this towards the end, 
It's so charged and abrupt that it feels real. We see Abby sitting at a party with Harper's family, one of several, and we see Harper across the room gabbing with an ex-boyfriend and some of her other friends from high school, completely ignoring Abby. And by this point, the charade has just gone beyond feeling comical, and it just feels more cruel to Abby. She quickly walks up to Harper, saying just a few words, and then she's off. And their conversation immediately after is also a very honest portrayal of someone feeling hurt. It's emotional, but never overdone. Abby, hey, can we just talk for a second? No, I gotta go. I, I can't, I can't do this for you anymore. But uh, Merry Christmas. Enjoy your family and enjoy Connor. What? No, I don't, I don't want him. I don't want Connor. I want you. Then what was that? I don't know. Why are you huddled in a corner with Riley? None of this has anything to do with Riley. This is all happening because of you, Harper. You not telling your parents about us is a choice that you made. It is not that simple. Do you know how painful it's been to watch the person that I love choose to hide me? I am not hiding you. I am hiding me. Now, don't get me wrong. Mackenzie Davis is also fantastic in this movie. But this is Kristen Stewart's movie, and she really shines as our romantic lead. She is your MVP. My rating for Happiest Season would be four stars out of five. While it does not even attempt to avoid falling back on several common tropes of holiday rom-coms, Happiest Season still shines as one of the better, more heartfelt romantic comedies that I've seen in recent years. And if you're looking to catch Happiest Season, you can find it streaming on Hulu. And that ends another unwrapped review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.